May the Lord put me in the right key this morning. I, I'm, ju- I'm just saying. <laughs> I, okay. Um, this morning, I would have you to turn with me in Scripture to Luke chapter 20. We're so glad to have you here. I rejoice in the things that uh, God has been doing in your lives. We've kept up with some of you, at least as best we know how, and uh, uh, we, we rejoice in all that God is doing in your lives. So may the Lord be with you and uh, lead you in this day. Scripture, uh, Luke chapter 20, beginning with verse 19, and we read then God's Word uh, there through verse 27. Hear then the word of the Lord. The scribes and the chief priests sought to lay hands on him at that very hour, for they perceived that he had told this parable against them. But they feared the people, so they watched him and sent spies who pretended to be sincere that they might catch him in something he said so as to deliver him up to the authority and jurisdiction of the governor. So they asked him, Teacher, we know that you speak and teach rightly and show no partiality, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful for us to give tribute to Caesar or not? But he perceived their craftiness and said to them, Show me a denarius. Whose likeness and inscription does it have? They said, Caesar's. He said to them, Then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. They were not able in the presence of the people to catch him in what he said, but marveling at his answer, they became silent. May God then add His blessing to the reading of His holy and precious Word of God. One thing that I want you to see in this message this morning um, is the Son of God and the Lord our Savior in His ability to see through the sinfulness of man and to speak truth in that context. Even under pressure, our Lord performs. And He speaks the truth and He foils the designs of sinful man in their craftiness. Don't you love it? He perceived their craftiness. That was nothing hidden from the Lord Jesus Christ in this context in which He was hated by the world. He understood the context in which He found Himself. Remember the setting. Our Lord Jesus Christ has been ordained to come into this world. He's born in Bethlehem. The light did shine in the darkness. Don't you love that verse in John 1? The light did shine in darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. Some translations say comprehend it, but I like the focus of 
the Greek, it did not overcome the light. That is, Jesus came into uh, the domain of Satan and his host and a falling creation. And he did shine as light in that darkness. Can you think for a minute that when Jesus, the righteous and holy God, came into a world of darkness, that he could have spelled all that darkness in one instant just by the command of his voice? Think about that. But God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but through Him the world might be saved. And, of course, many, including much of the religious leaders, did not recognize Him. As a matter of fact, I'm I'm amazed at the hostility of the sinfulness of man. And it is expressed in all of its deviance and its depth here in this context as Jesus moves toward the cross. And the context here is not just simply the question, is it proper to pay tribute to Caesar? Are we responsible to pay taxes or not? Well, now we've got to understand the dynamic of that question. It was deceptive. And it was from a deceptive heart in order to prevent Jesus from going forward with that which God called him to do. Isn't it amazing that even Christ, through the designs of sinful man, used those things and his predetermined plan to bring salvation to you and me? Isn't that amazing that it wasn't a mistake as Jesus faced that opposition, as Jesus headed toward Jerusalem? The cross was before us, wasn't it? <laughs> the cross was necessary for the salvation of you and me, for Him to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. For we were already in bondage in our sin without hope, separated from the cause of God. Don't you love Ephesians? (laughs) But now He has become our peace, breaking down the wall of partition between us. He has become our salvation. Even the designs of sinful man were used in the predetermined plan of God to bring forth your salvation in Christ. That's amazing to me. And here in this context, uh, uh, the Pharisees are trying to to trip up Jesus. And I've always asked, why in the world is there such hostility toward Jesus at this point by the religious leaders? And and I think that there may be some reasons, but I'm, I'm amazed at the hostility against God of sinful man. It never fails to amaze me that there is just something even about the mention of Christ and the things of God that man reacts. For some reason, he just oh, Jesus, you're talking about Jesus again. Lonnie, if you come to visit me one more time, don't talk about Jesus. We'll get up the next morning. What about this Jesus? I didn't think you wanted to talk about it. <laughs> There's a hostility toward Christ. And I think that it's designed by the very evil of this world that man reacts as sinners so harshly against Christ and His redemption. And we're going to look at some of that hostility. And So look at the sinfulness in the heart of man which rails against God. And if the Lord speaks to your heart with regard to this about a sinful man and what his reactions are like, 
I pray that God will speak to your heart and that in these things you will turn to Him and He will soften your heart and you will not come in hostile reaction to Him, but you will come to Him humbly and know Him as your Lord and Savior. Amen? Amen. Lord, spare us from hostile hearts. Help us not to show our colors too quickly of our distaste for Jesus and all that He stands for. God, grant us grace and mercy. Forgive us. Receive us by Your grace. And give us hearts to know Him and to know His redemption and to know His forgiveness in life. And so it is, uh, the scribes and chief priests sought to lay hands on Him at that very hour. <laughs> they, they were not willing to wait. If you look at Scripture here, they wanted to lay, the, the scribes and Pharisees and those uh, wanted to lay hands on Jesus that very day. They wanted to get rid of Him now. Let's not wait now. How can we do it today? And so it's, it's there. Think about the hostility that Jesus endured. He was certainly aware of it, wasn't He? Was Jesus aware of all that was going on? He perceived their craftiness. <laughs> he perceived their deceptiveness. And these uh, scribes and chief priests came to to him to lay hands on him that very hour. Why were they going to lay hands on him? Well, Jesus had told a parable, and that parable was of the wicked stewards. You remember in the previous chapters? Uh, and they perceived that, that he was talking about them. The wicked stewards. Remember, there was a corner, a stone that was laid, and they rejected the stone, and, uh, the very cornerstone, and, um, and he says that that stone, either you will dash yourself against that stone or that stone will fall upon you. And the scribes and Pharisees and those of the Sanhedrin perceived that, that Jesus was talking about them. And guess what? He was. <laughs> and uh, instead of repenting, see, this is what you should pray with regard to the preaching of the gospel and of God's word, that God's word will not turn to show the hostility of your heart against God, but rather the Word of God by the work of the Holy Spirit will soften your heart to know Christ and to know Him. And you see, it will have, the Word will have that one or two reaction. Either the stone of Christ, uh, you will dash yourself against that stone, or in the case, that is, we come to the end of ourselves. <laughs> Isn't that a beautiful picture of redemption? Boom! <laughs> the Lord stopped me in my tracks. <laughs> Bang! <laughs> and, uh, and, and there it is. Um, the kids used to love to throw water balloons at Grandpa. And I don't think that that was very nice. <laughs> and boy, when it would smack. Boom! It would, and you see, we either will dash ourselves against the stone of Christ or the stone of Christ will fall upon us. Uh, let me ask the question, either way do we get away from the Lord? Either way do we get away from the Lord? <laughs> no, either way we're consumed in the Lord Jesus Christ, one way or the other. It's amazing. And I don't know why we haven't heard that yet, but I would prefer to dash myself against the stone than for that stone to fall on me. How about you? <laughs> well, one way or the other is going to be in your life that very way. May God grant you grace. 
that when you come to the end of yourself and He causes you to turn to Him in faith and repentance, that you will love Him from the heart to know that He saved you from sin and saved you from the things of this world to claim you as His own as you've dashed yourself against the rock of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Isn't that a wonderful picture? That's, that's a great, great picture. The scribes and Pharisees uh, perceived that uh, Jesus was talking about them. And they responded hostily, spiritually. And that was because of the nature of their heart. And the one thing I want you to see about this, the scribes and Pharisees, the Pharisees had been established um, during the Maccabean period. And as they came into existence, they saw a decline among God's people in Israel. So the Pharisees determined that they were going to be very strict about the things of God. I want you to know that when the Bible here is speaking about the Pharisees, and the scribes, they had become the very strict religious leaders that set the spiritual tone for Israel. Matter of fact, they started out very conservative. These were the conservative religious people of the day. Remember the Apostle Paul? What was he? I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees concerning the law found blameless. My dear friends, it's Good to be conservative in many ways, but it also pays to be very careful. Amen? Amen. May the Lord help us to love Him from the heart and may it show in our reaction to Him. And so the Pharisees had come to respond to the Lord. The scribes and the chief priests sought to lay hands on Him that very hour. Look at the hostility and the resentment and the hatred. For they perceived that he had told this parable against them, but they feared the people. They did not lay hands on him because he was among the people and he had found favor with the people of whom he walked among and therefore they were afraid to do something to him. Uh, If they had had the opportunity and it had been in private quarters, they would have laid physical hands upon Jesus and they would have taken him and had him crucified immediately or they would have had him killed immediately if they could have. But they feared the people. Isn't that all too often about the world? That the world sometimes the only, um, the only restraint they know is what other people will say and how they will react. And you see that there was a, there was a difficulty here. Uh, they were upset. Uh, they hated Jesus. And why did they hate Jesus? Well, I think they hated Jesus because when He came in among the people, He was received among the common people. <laughs> and they, they were all around Him. And He made over them. And they made over Him. And the Pharisees just couldn't take it. They could not handle that there was someone uh, who found favor religiously in the eyes of the people rather than them. They held their position in such high esteem that their interest was to maintain that pretense and to maintain that position that they had gained as religious leaders setting the moral tone for the people. And my dear friends, uh, uh, Jesus was common. He was among them and they were rejoicing over Him and coming to Him and flocking to Him. And boy, that caused... Think about spiritual separation from God. That even the demonstration of the righteousness of the Son of God among people, that the very religious leaders should have been leading the people that day 
are the very ones that took opposition against His righteousness and against His holiness and against Him as the Son of God. The very religious leaders should have been at the forefront of honoring our Lord. But they were the very ones that were leading the way to have Him crucified and get rid of Him because of hatred in their heart. And my dear friends, it's a... It's an incredible thing. The Pharisees built that themselves. The Pharisees had built such a strict adherence to the law of God that they began to reject the people. As a matter of fact, they had gotten to the point where in their thinking and their righteousness of holding the things that were right and true, they got to the point in the position of their own lives that they thought that they were so holy that nobody else was. And so they looked down on all the people in their self-righteousness. Not the righteousness of God, but these religious leaders had become self-righteous. And Jesus told this parable concerning those who regarded themselves as righteous and looked down upon others. And He told the parable of the publican and the Pharisee. You know that parable, don't you? Pharisee went into the temple, down to the front. I fast. Twice a week I give of all that I have and I'm glad I'm not like that man back there. And the publican who was a tax collector and hated even among the people could not even enter the temple. He would not lift his head to heaven. He beat his breast and he said, Father, forgive me a sinner. And Jesus asked the Pharisees this question. Which of these two men do you think went down to their house sanctified and righteous? And the Pharisees said, the man who humbled himself and repented. And Jesus said, you have rightly, you have rightly said from your own mouth that detest other people, from your own self-righteous mouth, you have declared God's grace and mercy in those who humble themselves before Him. The Pharisees had become quite a Quite an interesting group, supposing to lead the people of God, but did not. So they watched him. Boy, notice how this this is relentless of sinful man. So they watched him and sent spies who pretended to be sincere that they might catch him in something he said and deliver him up to the authorities and jurisdiction of the governor. Now, wait a minute, that's a mouthful, but there's a chain here. <laughs> they, they thought that he was talking about them in the parable. Yes, that's true. And now they're not willing to stop there. They wanted to lay hands on him immediately, but they couldn't because they feared the crowd. Uh, now, they're not willing to stop there. So they kept a watch on him and they sent spies in to, to kind of, we, we don't know what's sending the enemy into the camp, and, and I'm so tired of politics. I mean, <laughs> anyway, it's, it's interesting uh, how the spies get in the camp, and I don't know, something about human nature, isn't it? There's something about human nature. Aren't we funny people? And I'm glad our salvation does not rest on governments, doesn't rest on Caesar. I'm glad our salvation rests in the Lord. Even when the enemy comes from within, we're aware of God's hand. 
in our lives. So they watched him and they sent spies who pretended, boy, the, the very word of hypocrite, who pretended to be sincere. They pretended to be sincere. I mean, it was just oozing with, oh, Jesus, you are so wonderful. We are so glad to have you here today. We just welcome you. We know that you're a man of God who speaks the truth from God. We, 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 you're just so wonderful. Oh, what a mockery of hypocrisy and intention of the heart. All things are laid open and bare before Him with whom we have to do. He knows our heart. And oh, the hypocrisy of this situation just oozes. Be careful when many people pat you on the back. Be very careful at times. So they watched him and they sent spies who pretended to be sincere that they might catch him in something he said. And what was their purpose? So as to deliver him up to the authority and jurisdiction of the governor. Uh, They wanted to catch him and uh, deliver him to the Roman government and get him to say something that was out of accord with either harmony with the Roman government or with the Jewish people. And so there was hostility between the Romans and the Jews. The Jews wanted to be their own ruler. And Rome says we're going to rule with an iron hand. And so there was a hostility between the two. And the Pharisees, think about how sneaky they were. If we can just get the right question to him to where he has to make a choice. He, he will either find disfavor in the eyes of the people if he answers one way, or if he answers the other way, he'll get in trouble with the Roman government and we can arrest him, we can accuse him of something, and we can get rid of him. <laughs> we've got it made. We've got it made. All we've got to do is get him, get the question to him, and boy, things are going to work out great. And it's amazing at how depth... Of, of the pretense and the deception is here and the depth of the hatred of the religious leaders for Jesus. And so they ask him, teacher, they finally get to the question. They ask him, teacher, we know that you speak and teach rightly and show no partiality, but truly speak the way of God. Now I want you to know how deceptive that is. In their pretense, they declare the righteousness of Jesus and they declare that He is from God and that He speaks rightly the things of God. But they, did they really mean that? Did they really mean it? No, they didn't really mean it. They were just buttering Him up. Even though the statement was what? Absolutely true. Absolutely true. From their own mouths. Isn't that entered the providence of God? From their own mouths who were given pretense to honor God, they declare the righteousness and the holiness of God. My dear friends, do you take seriously that God speaks to you truth in His Word? Do you believe that God truly speaks His truth to you in the Word? Do you know that there are a great many, just like the Pharisees, who give some lip service to it, but they don't believe a word of it? If you do hold fast to the truth of the inerrancy and authority of God's Word, give thanks to God. For you can truly say, yes, Lord, you do speak truth. 
the truth of God to me. Isn't it good to know that this one thing this morning that God speaks truth to us in His Word? Lord, I pray that in that declaration that our hearts would not be deceived and that would be found something else that we're just doing lip service to the Word of God and to Jesus and not truly acknowledging Him for who He is. It's apparent. It's there. They were, they were upset. They didn't like Jesus because He found favor with the people, the very people they detested but they certainly didn't like the accolades. And that upset them. What did one of the Pharisees say? He says, we've got to do something because there will be more following him than, than going to the temple. <laughs> and, uh, and, of course, the hatred is, is there, uh, this jealousy. Caiaphas will say just a few days later, he will say this. He said, it is better for one man to die, one man to die than for the whole nation. See, they were, they were very much afraid. They were afraid of the Roman Empire. And Jesus was finding favor with the people, and they were thinking that something might come about to upset the balance. And so Caiaphas and the Pharisees had made an executive decision. They had taken a sessional action. <laughs> and, and they said, what, what we're going to do is that uh, we're going to find a way to remove the influence of Jesus from among the people, whatever the cost, the sooner the better. Because it's better Him than us. Isn't it amazing in this situation? Another thing that I see with regard to uh, the Pharisees here is uh, they not only uh, feared uh, Jesus for the influence that He was having among the people, and they despised him just for the things that he, he said. But um, the Pharisees had a way of, of speaking to the Pharisees. The Lord had a way of speaking to the Pharisees, which manifested who they were. There was no pretense with the Lord. He perceived their craftiness. And so when Jesus responds, and, and one of the incredible things about this passage is that Jesus responds in true truth. He, he responds in the full authority of God's Word and He answers the question to the satisfaction, not to their satisfaction. As a matter of fact, as, as they pose the question to them, they, they almost, you can almost see them at the point, well, we've got Him now. We've got Him. We've got Him now. And all we have to do is follow through with this if He'll just answer this question. And so, teacher, we know that you speak and teach rightly and show no partiality, but truly teach the way of God. My, my, my. That's so true, but breaks my heart in terms of the spirit in which it's being said. Have you ever done that? Said something that was very true, but you were not sincere about it. Really not, you really didn't mean it. But you wanted to make people, you thought you, thought you meant it. <laughs> You wanted to get that across. That's an incredible passage. Here's the question. Is it lawful for us to give tribute to Caesar or not? Now, if Jesus had said what? If he had said, yes, you're to give tribute to Caesar, what reaction would have occurred? Well, the reaction would have occurred that the people would not have liked that because they were already being taxed with the normative tax. But this was an extra tax. 
that went actually to Caesar. And it was put on top of the other tax. We don't know anything about taxes, do we? You better pray in the days to come. <laughs> I'm just telling you. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Start saving your pennies. <laughs> be, be careful. <laughs> but, you know, uh, if he said yes, the people, he would have found his favor with the people. And see, the Pharisees were banking on that. If he said no, uh, you, you don't have to pay those taxes. Well, that would have been a violation of Roman adherence, and he would have been arrested, and his life would have been taken, probably at the recommendation of the Pharisees, and he would have been removed, removed altogether. But again, how marvelous it is. But he perceived their craftiness. Do you know that God perceives your heart this morning about where you are? That's amazing, isn't it? My mom said, you can run, but you can't hide. (laughs) I knew I was going to get it. (laughs) You can run, but you can't hide. None of us can. He perceived. Do you know that he perceives our ways? He perceives our life. I love Psalm 139. You ought to read it sometimes. Oh, Lord, even before there's a word on my tongue, you know it all together. You know me altogether. Where can I flee from your presence? I can not flee anywhere from your presence. Even if I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you're there. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. Was he there when you were being formed? Fearfully and wonderfully made. All the days that are given for me are written in that book. All of them are there even before one of them yet came to be. Isn't that beautiful? I love the Lord's days for us. So they ask him, teacher, we know that you speak and teach rightly and show no partiality, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful for us to give tribute to Caesar or not? But he perceived their craftiness and said to them, show me a denarius. One in the crowd gave him a denarius. And on that silver coin, on the front of it, is a bust of Tiberius Caesar, the son of Augustus Caesar, who was the Caesar when Jesus was born. And this is the son of Augustus. And uh, on, that, on that coin, it has quite an inscription. It has on one side, it has um, Tiberius Augustus, the divine son of Augustus Caesar. Now, the key word is divine. You know, in, in that day that the Christians were only required to do one thing. They would require to bow down before Tiberius Caesar and declare him to be divine. And the Christian says, we'll pay taxes. We'll drive on the right side of the road. But we will not declare. We will not declare Caesar to be divine. On the other side of the coin is Pontificus Maximus. The highest authority and representative the Christians of that day said, no, the highest authority in our life is Christ our Lord. He is our great high priest, and he alone stands in that position, not you, O Caesar. Aren't you glad that we are not saved by politics today? <laughs> I'll keep making fun of that, so just, just know that it's going to keep coming. <laughs> just aware of that, and I'm, I'm glad. I want to be a good citizen, but I can't stand can't stand falsehood. 
And I can't stand deceptiveness. People being taken advantage of by their government. It breaks my heart. And I know it breaks the heart of God. May God have mercy. May have God have mercy upon us who perceives the deceptiveness. My dear friends, uh, therefore he, he says, uh, by the way, maybe you should put on that coin, uh, Caesar Augustus, who has died and in his grave, and he is not <laughs> the divine final authority. My dear friends, many a Christian hung, impaled upon a spear in Caesar's court, pitched with tar and being used as a patio torch just because they would not declare the divinity of Tiberius. Many of them were thrown into jails and fed to hungry lions in the Colosseum while the crowd yelled, wasn't this a great sport today? Man, we got to the NFL. We got to the NBA today. Oh, isn't it great? Man, look at those lions eating them alive. Dear friends, uh, man, man, his sin is uh, no small thing. And in this context, our, our Lord prevailed. It, it, aren't you, don't you rejoice in the Lord of truth? That Jesus answered these who were so hostile toward him. He answered them in such a way that he honored God. And he honored man. And it was amazing how this comes to the end. Is it lawful for us to give tribute to Caesar or not? But he perceived their craftiness and said to them, Show me a denarius. Whose likeness and inscription does it have? They said, Caesar's. And I love this. He said to them, Then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And render to God the things that are God's. And I say to you this morning, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Do, do your duty. Even if it is unjust, do that which you are required to do. It has, it has His image on it. And so therefore it is His declaration. And those are the things that belong to Him. And so in God, let those things belong to Him. But I tell you this, then let the things that belong to God and whose image you have been made, then give to things to God that belong to God in whose image you have been made. His worship, His honor, bowing before Him in humility, worshiping Him alone for salvation as offered in the gospel. And it's amazing, this response. And they were not able... And listen, they were not able in the presence of the people. Boy, this pretense goes all the way through, doesn't it? (laughs) They were not able in the presence of the people to catch him in what he said. But think about this. But marveling at his answer, they became silent. Let every tongue keep silent. The Lord is in His holy temple. May God help us 
to throw away all those things. May God break down in our lives any hostility or meanness of spirit or contrariness to Him. May it not be demonstrated in us that we have not yet come to know the Savior, the Son of God, our Savior. That by the demonstration of our very actions and responses, that we would show resistance to God and His redemption. Do you know many today do? Very obvious ways show their distaste for the things of God. May God have mercy. May we return unto Him who is the giver of life, who knows our hearts to the uttermost and who silences the tongues of those who are most intense against Him. And they marveled. <laughs> they couldn't catch him. Well, they couldn't catch him. <laughs> but then they say, "Well, man, that's pretty good." <laughs> and, and they marvel. They marvel. Why did they marvel? Even the ungodly marveled over the truth and the righteousness of the Son of God. Not enough to save. But boy, they said, "Wow, that's pretty neat." <laughs> we'll have to use that sometime. <laughs> And they kept silent. Do not keep silent this morning. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, rejoice that He has spoken to you and that He's given you His Word and that He does speak rightly the truth. Rejoice in that. Give thanks that you're His child. And listen, that there's even the gates. Don't you love Martin Luther's great song uh, about in this mortal? I, I, I've got to, I, I want to quote it and I'll mess it up. But in this world, devil's field uh, that should threaten to undo us, um, you know, but he has willed that we should triumph through him um, and that the devil seeks to do us harm and um, great as he is a foe, but that Christ Jesus has conquered. I messed it up. But see, that's going to make you go look at uh, <laughs> a mighty fortress as our God, and you're going to read it and say, poor preacher, he messed that one up. But okay, I got the point. I like that hymn. A mighty fortress indeed is our Lord in all ways, and especially in the truth, and especially against the sinfulness of man. Amen? Amen. The Lord has spoken to us. May we be found in Him. Let us pray together. Lord, we thank You for... Uh, for this passage of Scripture that speaks to us so explicitly about the ways of sinful man and our hostility toward You, O God, and our sin. We pray that we would not be found in that way, Lord, spiritually. And if we are awakened to that reality, Lord, forgive us. Give us hearts of humility not to rail against Christ any longer. Not to seek excuses why we're not trusting Him as our Lord and Savior. But Father, maybe for the first time in our life that we have dashed ourselves against that stone and we've come to the end of ourselves and saying, Lord, Lord, we are done. We are undone. We are Yours. Lord, I pray that You would keep us in Your care. I pray that the stone of Christ would fall upon none here. And I pray that we would know Him as our gracious Lord and Savior, in His name we pray. Amen.